the greatest gift. I've been thinking about that for so many months now. You probably even heard it in some of my sermons. It just keeps coming out of me. When God looked down at humanity, trying to solve the issue, the separation between us and him. He'd sent prophets. He'd sent his word. It was written on tablets of stone. Different servants throughout the years had pointed the people back to him. But still we found ourselves in a mess. And some 2,000 years ago, God the Father said, once and for all, once and for all, I will bring people back to me through the most precious gift. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, as a gift into humanity. And this, this time as Christians, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. We could even call it his birthday. Now scholars say it's not actual the day he was born. December 25th is not actually the day. But it's the day that we as Christians and we really as a nation celebrate the birthday of Jesus. We celebrate the great gift that God brought and gave to earth. And of all the gifts that we've ever received, out of all the greatness that's ever happened, why would he send this great gift into a manger? To be born into messiness, a stall where animals have defecated. Why would he be born there? Why would God send the precious gift of life for all of eternity to shift in this moment? Send it in the form of a child. Why didn't Jesus come as a great warrior? Why did we just show up in the greatest palace instead into a manger? Why do we celebrate this is his birthday? Because it's here that we recognize the greatest gift in the history of humanity, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The greatest gift ever. Sometimes we get caught up in all the activity of just trying to give gifts to one another. In fact, Christmas is a time where we give more gift giving than any of the other holidays. When we sit around and we think, how am I going to help bless this one and what do I need to give this one and what will they give me in return and it's all about the gift exchange and if we're not careful we forget about the greatest gift ever and so I wanted to do a little project over the last few weeks so I last week while Miss Jamie was ministering I extracted some of your precious children into a back room and began to ask them what Christmas was all about I reminded them that it was Whose birthday? And to my great comfort, they all responded, it's Jesus' birthday. And I asked them questions like, what was the best gift you ever got on your birthday? What was the worst gift you've ever gotten on your birthday? And I was greatly surprised at their responses. It was a blast. And I thought this morning, before I go any further, it might be fun for you to see some of your kids' response to what Christmas is about what the greatest birthday gifts and the worst gifts they've ever gotten was, and who really is the great gift of Christmas. So enjoy. You're leaving the caps open. If you leave the caps open, remember, they'll dry out. I'm doing a rainbow, so... Yeah, yeah. let's make a good birthday card for him. My mom, today, she kept asking me, what... Why do we celebrate Christmas? Say it, say it. Say she it. wanted to make sure you got it right for the video, huh? Well, your mama is smart. 
you done made a weapon over there. <laughs> oh, man. Dang. Um, it's just saying it has like Jesus has glasses. Like... Oh, he's cool. Hey, let me ask y'all a question. Who's the best pastor? Yeah. Yay! James, who's the best pastor? Who's my favorite pastor? Pastor. Oh, this oh, is really gosh. hard. You. Dang, I really don't want to hurt anyone's Jesus. feelings here. I don't well, there's no feelings to hurt. I'm your favorite pastor. Well, give me that candy cane back. No, no, no. The best pastor, not the best pastor. He said the cowboy. <laughs> yes, yes. The cowboys are pretty good pastors too. But who's the best pastor? Yeah. You want another candy cane, don't you? No. Your dog and the horse. The, the twisting fire truck. You got a fire truck? Yeah, I got a twisting fire truck. A twisting fire truck? My, my little pony. I didn't have one, but I'm just going to see my parents. Your parents is the best gift you ever got for your birthday? Yeah, my mom. Uh... On my sixth birthday, I, I actually got a little dog that only... They didn't give me surprises. They only got me the same thing. The same uh, one? The same one. The sisters. Only that. You got the same doll over and over for that birthday? Uh, the Paw Patrol puzzle. The Paw Patrol puzzle? Yeah. You don't like puzzles, huh? All right, now Josh has had time to think now, about this it. this wasn't a gift. Michael Jackson died before I was born, so I was like, I'm just saying that. That's yeah, a terrible birthday yeah, gift, even like before you were born. I was a fan. You're, you were a fan before you were born, and he died. Oh, well, not before I was born, but now I'm a fan. Now you're a fan. I know about it. Right, because you could dance like that, too. i seen you dance. That's pretty legit. Jesus. It's Jesus' birthday. That's right. Did you see our baby Jesus in there? Yes. You know who he looks like? He looks like Mr. T. Look, he's got a mohawk. Uh, Jesus. Jesus' birthday is Christmas? I thought it was Santa Claus's birthday. What? No, that's crazy. Whose birthday is it for Christmas? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, I think um, he just wants people to love each other. Kids are happy. He wanted everyone to celebrate Christmas in a nice way. Us, like everybody in the whole wide world. Even the bad people? Yeah, even the bad people. Since it's Jesus' birthday, it's Christmas. What if we made a birthday song for him? <laughs> Happy birthday, Jesus! Jesus! I see you, Jesus! I love you, Jesus! I know what you love. How about if right now we make up our own Happy Birthday Jesus song? So, hey, kids, who's God's great gift to the world? Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus. Come on, give them a hand. Your kids did so good. He said his favorite pastor was the Cowboys. He said, no, I'm your favorite pastor. They weren't, they weren't too convinced of that. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The scripture actually qualifies what's the greatest gift given to humanity, that the gift of God that you and I get to have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As I engage back and forth with your children, and we talk to them about the greatest gifts and the worst gifts, and just kind of the concept of gift giving, I was taken back into my childhood, and I was trying to think, what's the best gifts I've ever gotten? And I had some, you know, a bicycle at that moment that I thought I needed it so bad, or that video game, but they all kind of, compel, kind of paled in comparison to some of the real marking moments in my life. Like the time that the greatest gift that I received was forgiveness from a friend that I had done wrong. That I'd called myself a Christian and didn't act like one in that moment. And a year later, they looked me in the eye and they said they forgave me. It's one of the greatest gifts. At that time, I was preaching in Brazil and it was a small group of people and I was a little frustrated because a couple of days early, I'd preached in front of tens of thousands and this was supposed to be a bigger venue. It was just a handful of people. And I kind of had an attitude about it. And I preached my guts out anyway, and afterwards this man came up, and with a translator, he had a little cross. And he looked me in the eye, and through the translator, he said, you know, I've been in and out of church. I went to Catholic church, I went here and there. And for the first time, and he said it like this, you saved me. And I told the translator, no, I didn't save him, Jesus saved me. For the first time, I understand what Christianity is, and I understand that there's a God who loves me, and I gave him my life today, and I didn't know what else to do to tell you thank you. So this is a little cross that my mama gave me when she was dying. And I want you to have it. I took that little cross. It's been one of the greatest gifts. When I get to thinking, you know, I'm not making an impact. When I get to thinking my life is kind of like just going in circles. I've got that little cross down on a box. And I look at it every now and then. I remember that man whose life will forever be changed. Because I was obedient. <laughs> what a great gift. That little cross that he gave me. We all have gifts that we think are important in our life. But friend, today we're celebrating the greatest gift in the history of humanity. The gift that came to earth in the form of a child, a baby in a manger. The great gift, Jesus Christ our Lord. There's this moment as Jesus is into his ministry where he has to go through Samaria. John chapter 4, as he's, most Jews would have went around Samaria because there was this racial conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews. And Jesus is exhausted from days of travel. And so as they get to the outer skirts of this village in Samaria, Jesus sits down at the well and his disciples go on into the city to provide for lunch or whatever the case may be. And as Jesus is sitting there in the hot of the day, in the midday sun, this woman comes to draw water, which in and of itself is pretty awkward because that's typically not the time that ladies would come to the well. And as she begins drawing water, Jesus asks her, Ma'am, can I have a sip of water? And she looks at him in all prejudice and says, You know that Jews and Samaritans don't engage. How dare you ask me for water? And if you look here in this beautiful piece, in verse 10 of John chapter 4, Jesus responds and he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him 
and he would have given you living water. Lady, if you knew the gift that came 30 years ago, sweet love, if you had any idea who was standing in front of you right now, you would be asking me for living water. You would ask me for your life to be forever changed and an engagement with the living Savior. She doesn't really get it. And so she goes on into a religious discourse back and forth with Jesus. Back and forth, talking social things. Back and forth, communicating politics and the anger that on her side versus what she thinks is Jesus' side. And after a few minutes, Jesus just can't take it anymore. And he says, lady, go get your husband. To which she awkwardly pauses and says, sir, I'm not married. And then he says... Yeah, you've been married over seven times, and the man you're with now is not your husband. To her fear and horror, this man has just looked down deep into her soul and sees the mess of her life. She's horrified. In fact, she doesn't know what else to say, but she says, Sir, I perceive you to be a prophet, a seer. You can see what no one else can see. And then she goes back into a great religious discourse. And back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then finally Jesus says to the woman in verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, so she's trying to be honest. She says, I know one day there'll be hope for my mess. I know that he'll fix it all. He'll explain it all. He'll he'll, he'll clean it all up. And in that moment he looks at her and he says, I who speak to you am he. Sweet love. The guy standing in front of you is the gift of humanity. I have come to fix your mess. I often think about the messiness by which Jesus came. As we were saying earlier, it's confusing at times to me. Why would the king of glory not just show up on a white stallion of a horse and full adulthood power? Why would he not just arrive from the heavens and stand in front of everyone and declare that he is the king? I'll tell you why. Because God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, decided that the gift of God would come down into our mess. The form of a child, the messiness of birth, the messiness of a manger. Friend, can I tell you, Jesus loves you, and he cares about your mess. See, we're all messy. We all have things that we're embarrassed about. We all have sin habits that we're ashamed of. For some of you, even getting dressed and coming to church today was just real tough for you. Uh, you, you felt the, the scourge of other people's viewing. This woman, she went out to the well late into the afternoon, uh, late into the morning hours. And the reason why is because culturally, the women would go to the well early in the morning, right as the sun was coming up, because they needed to draw water for their daily duties of washing clothes or whatever, cooking, whatever they were involved in. The water well was the source of life for that village. And so they would go out there with their buckets and they would, they would, they would fill their jars and they would carry them back and they'd go about their daily duties. But can you imagine These scores of women around the well. Do you know what that early morning scenario looked like? It was Fox News at its best. Combined with all the gossip of the the day and the morning and the day before. Can you imagine all the talking back and forth? And who do you think was the centerpiece of gossip? 
The lady who lived in the city, who's messed around from one man to another. The one who has shipwrecked one marriage after another. Been an adulterer, run off with this guy and that guy. The woman that everyone knows about her. So this woman does not show up in the morning hours when everyone else is there. She's not accepted into the inner circum. She's not a part of the accepted community. No, she's an outcast because she's messy. She knows she's messy. She's embarrassed of her messiness. So she waits till they all leave. And she goes out in the middle of the day when it's hot and it's miserable. And she goes out there when no one will be there to talk to her. No one will engage her. But what happens is that she's there trying to fix her mess. trying to get through her life without any kind of other engagement with everyone's judgment and criticism. In that moment, the gift of God shows up and begins to engage. He says, sweetheart, if you knew the gift of God that stood before you today, you would ask me to fix your mess. I would give you life, water that would cause you never to thirst again. Because everything you're looking for, everything you've searched for from man to man to scenario to scenario that you find yourself undone and an outcast in your own society, I can fix it with just one moment. In the midst of this engagement back and forth, as he prophesies to her and tells her, listen, go get your husbands. I don't have any husbands. No, but the man you're with is not your husband. Or seven husbands, the man you're with now is not your husband. She says, I perceive you to be a seer. Something starts happening inside of her. She goes, whoa. This is not everyday dude here. This is not common life. I've never experienced this. And so then she starts talking about her hope, which I've heard so many of us do. One day, one day it'll all be fixed. One day I won't have this problem. One day it'll get better. I know one day maybe she's trying to hold on to hope. Many of you came today just trying to hold on to hope. One day I won't have this sin habit. One day I won't keep failing the Lord. One day I might really serve God. Maybe one day it's real. I don't know. And then he looks at her and he says, sweetheart, today's the day. I'm here in your mess. I've not run away from you. I've come to you. I didn't just send you the word of the prophets. I've forgone all of that and I've showed up to get down in your mess with you so that I can help you be changed forever and ever. If you'll keep reading the passage, the woman goes running into the city. She just leaves Jesus. The disciples show up about that time. She just leaves. She runs out into the city, and the Bible says, she says, come meet the man. Come meet the man. Now, this is the scourge of the village. Come meet him. Come meet him. She doesn't care. She's knocking over doors. She's pushing in doors. Excuse me. She's knocking over people. Come meet him. Come meet, the, come meet the man who's told me everything about my life. He didn't tell her everything about her life, but it so impacted her. She had such an engagement with the gift of God. In that moment, it shook her, and it brought every hope back to life. It brought every dream that she had when she was a little girl. She never dreamed of being the woman who bounced from marriage to marriage, the boyfriend to boyfriend, from one wicked thing to another. She never. That wasn't her dream as a child. That wasn't what she asked for for her birthday. That wasn't her Christmas prayer. And when she shows up in this moment and he engages her, she says, come meet him. Come meet him. The Bible says the entire city went out to meet Jesus. And it says, and then they put their faith in him as the Messiah because of the testimony of this woman. Can I explain something to you? The greatest gift in the history of humanity is Jesus Christ. And he came And got in our mess with us. 
He didn't hover above us saying, I hope that one day you can attain to my goodness. He got down in it with us. My pastor, Rick Bezet, told a story yesterday. I heard it and it just impacted me. I wanted to tell it to you. He said he was reading the local newspaper. It told a story about this sweet lady married with a couple kids, a wife, a mother, and she became so depressed that she didn't want to live anymore. And she literally one day, while her husband was at work, left her toddler children, got in a car, and walked away. The husband came home from work. She wasn't there. He started calling her. He started texting her. No response. No response. Days going by. He doesn't know if she's been kidnapped. He doesn't know if she's been killed. Nothing. He knew that she was going through some things. He knew that she was talking about how much better it was before she had kids and how she missed the days of being a teenager. He knew that those things had been bubbling up and he'd been trying to help her, but nothing. He's texting two, three days, and finally he comes to a thought, I'm going to hire a private investigator. He hires a private investigator, has to empty their little bit of savings. The private investigator had a contact over at the phone company. And they were able to get the ping of her cell phone. So the private investigator went and he found her. He found her. So he calls the husband. He says, I got good news. She's alive. I found her. The husband said, where is she? Where is she? He said, this is not the good part though. She's in a place in the city. She's in the area where everybody does drugs, prostitution. And she's in one of those motels Someone like you would never frequent. Husband said, I don't care. Give me the address. He said, sir, I just want you to know, though. It's a dangerous environment. And I don't even know. I've watched her for a few hours. And what she's involved in, sir, I don't even think she's the wife that you remember, even in just a matter of days. I don't care. Give me the address. So the private investigator gives it. The man jumps in his truck. He drives down through the inner city till he finds the motel. The room number is there. He comes and he knocks on the door. And to his surprise, she opens the door. And the moment she sees him, the moment she falls down on her knees, weeping uncontrollably, he grabs her and picks her up in his arms. He says, please come home. Please come home. She said, okay. They grab her stuff, throw it in the back of the truck. Don't even pause for anything. Just get in the truck and start driving home. And say, quietly, you're driving home. Man just can't take it. He says, listen, I just got to ask, why now? I called you, I texted you, you ignored all my calls, all my text messages. Why now? Why, why, why here? Why now? And she said, it was one thing to get your text messages and the voice messages. But when you showed up, I knew you loved me enough to save me from my mess. This is why Jesus came to earth. This is why he came in the form of a child. Teach your kids this. This is why he came into a messy manger. It's to save you and me from our mess. Friend, we all have mess. We all have things that we're embarrassed of. Some of you in this room, you've denied Christ. You just, you just are showing up here today because some family and friends asked you to. You're just being gracious. 
Others of you, you've tried to serve God, and, and you find these difficulties, and you, you feel like you're a mess, and, and you, don't, you, don't, you can't, you're like, God, what's wrong with me? And I don't know. I don't want to try. Some of you were taught religion, that if you just do all the religious duties properly, that it'll all fix itself, and it hadn't fixed itself. Friend, what you and I need is we need the Savior, the gift of God to step into our mess and to transform our lives forever. Friend, I am standing before you, and as I have talked, thought through the greatest gifts of my life, it comes down to one moment. One moment when I recognized I can't fix this terrible way about myself. Church won't do it. Reading the Bible won't do it. That I have to come back and ask Jesus into my life. And the moment I let him step into my mess, it all changed. Oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm not a perfect person. Oh, but I serve the perfect Savior. The greatest gift in the history of humanity was given to us some 2,000 years ago. And when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating more than just a baby in a manger. We're celebrating God stepping into our mess so that we could spend eternity. For the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you stand with me all across?